Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Well, Brother Jeff asked me if I had a prayer request. I said, yeah, you can pray for me. (laughs) Uh, Isn't the Lord great? Praise the Lord. We're going to have a great time here tonight. Uh, I like that song we just sung here just a little while ago. Uh, I learned to trust in Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wonder if we could just turn these lights up here down just a little bit. That's good right there, I think. Praise the name of the Lord. I, I've been having trouble focusing. <laughs> I was trying to read my Bible today, and all of a sudden, everything just started running together. I had a, I had something I was going to do. I asked Sister Modulin if she'd do me a favor tonight. I couldn't get anything out of her. I asked her if she'd come up here and sing before I preach. <laughs> ah, glory. Well, we're going to have a great time tonight because of the word of the Lord and the spirit of God that's in this place right here tonight. And, and it's not an accident. It's here because you're here. Word of God said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, He said, I'm in the midst of them. I don't know about you, but that excites me because I know every time that we come together, something great can happen if we allow it, if we receive it, if we reach out for it. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just let you be seated here tonight, and I'll read read my text tonight. And I'm not, I, I, I pray and I ask the Lord to help me. Because he knows what you need tonight, and uh, I don't know what you need. I may think I know what you need, but I tell you, God knows exactly what you need tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray first. Father, we love you tonight. We're so grateful for your presence, for your hand upon us. We're thankful that you're in this place tonight, Lord. We ask you to minister to every heart, to every soul. Keep your hand upon each one. Let your will be done in our hearts and in our lives for your kingdom and for your glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. I want to read out of the book of uh, Exodus tonight. And the pastor preached uh, and mentioned this particular passage of Scripture here not too long back when he was preaching. And I, I, I just love this, past, this book of Exodus because it's got so much. And uh, I want to read verse, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed graciously. And the horse and the rider hath he hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God. In other words, David was saying, my father serve this God that I'm talking about. And he said here, he said, and I will exalt him. 
Praise the name of the Lord. And I, not too long back when I was speaking, I, was, I talked about uh, a pump uh, that uh, we had in, my, in the house that I grew, grew up in. And they called it a pitcher pump. It was one of them pumps that sat up there on the sink, on the counter, and you uh, had to prime it to get it to pump water, and you had to prime it, you had to pump it to get water out of it. Uh, we pumped it in out of the cistern. And uh, so you never, we, we'd keep a bucket of water or a, a, a bowl of water or something up there with water in it because if that, the seals in that pump went dry, you had to pour water in it because it had to it'd get hard if, if it got dry. And you couldn't pump water out of it. So I, I just want to throw that out there to you. Don't, uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, keep priming the pump. Don't let the pump run dry. Praise God. Prime the pump. But the beautiful thing about this particular text here that I read tonight, they got a lot of great things happen in the book of Exodus when you read this. And uh, they were singing a song unto the Lord. I don't know if you ever just opened up and just whatever came to your head, you just started singing unto the Lord. It's amazing sometimes when you, what inspiration you'll get when you begin to just sing from way down here in your heart. It just comes out. You know, uh, sometimes if you could write it down, it may be a hit somewhere. Uh, it may be something that just really leaps out because it's coming from on the inside of you. But here we find that uh, the children Moses and the children of Israel were singing a song of triumph in this uh, 15th chapter of the book of Exodus. But when you read this story here, just before this song occurred in the life of these Israelites, we're talking about a group of people here that their lives were filled with, uh, with experiences with God. Thank God, if you go back in this uh, book of Exodus, uh, you will find out that these children of Israel, Moses, uh, they, they were a great people, but they were a people at one time was in bondage. They'd just been set free uh, from bondage. Pharaoh had them down in the land of Goshen in bondage. They'd been there for 430 years. Uh, we know that with Joseph, uh, when he went down into Egypt, he took 70 people with him. But they were down there 430 years. And all of a sudden, one day God said, listen, I'm going to get you out of this bondage. These people were, knew what it meant to be bound because Pharaoh kept them there. The only reason he wanted to keep them there was for his own prosperity. And they were a people of bondage. They were a people that, that seen what God could do for them. They knew what it meant to hear uh, Moses, uh, who had heard from God, came out and said, listen, uh, he said, I'm going to get you out of this mess. I want you to go tell Pharaoh that you're going to let my people go. Said you said I so Moses and Aaron heard from the Lord, and so they were a people that knew they'd heard of Moses, and so they were a people that uh, that that was experienced when they heard that and saw what God was doing. 
They knew what it meant when Moses in that 12th chapter of the book of Exodus uh, told them, gave them the plan of what it was going to take to get out of Egypt. Uh, He said, listen, you're going to have to kill the lamb. You're going to have to put the blood on the doorpost and upon the lintel. And if you don't have that blood up there at midnight, uh, he said, the firstborn is going to die. He said, there's not going to be a deliverance. The only ones that's going to make it has got the blood upon the doorpost and upon the lintel. These people saw that. They heard that. They experienced that. My mind can only comprehend what they must have saw. Can you imagine what got back to Pharaoh and he saw all that, heard of the news and all the blood and said, those people are going nuts down there. They're putting blood upon the doorpost and upon the lintel, and it's everywhere. They experienced that. They, I'm sure here was a group of people that knew what it meant to have a Passover. They were a group of people that listened to Moses when Moses gave the instruction, and they could not deviate from God's plan, or they wouldn't make it out of Egypt. I don't know what that does to you, but when I read that and I see how pacific uh, that he was and how how meticulous he was uh, when it came to giving them instruction and they had to follow it to the T. These people saw that. They marched out of there. These were people that knew what it meant to see the Red Sea open up. They, they were a group of people just a few days before. Here were a group of people uh, before they were able to sing a song, uh, marching out of Egypt after 430 years uh, and had mountains on each side of them, an enemy behind them, uh, and a Red Sea in front of them. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I wonder... You can only imagine what went through their minds. But I'll tell you what, there's people today that's got mountains on each side of them and an enemy behind them and a way in front of them that they can't see a way out possible. And I'm sure some of those Israelites felt that same way. How are we going to get across this Red Sea? Thank God. They understood one thing. They're not going to get out if they don't do what God said do. Can you imagine? It was a march of faith. It was a going forth by faith. Thank God it was a stepping out by faith. And those priests put their feet in the water and all of a sudden the waters begin to divide. There's the people looking back and can remember when that Israelites, when Pharaoh's army came after them and got in the midst of the sea, God protected them. The wheels of their chariots fell off. I think the message behind this is, hey God, that you don't have to worry, God's in control. No matter how black it looks, no matter how dark it looks, no matter where you're at, just understand one thing, God is in control. This world tonight is in a heap of trouble. This world tonight is in chaos and confusion. And God, there's a lot of Pharaoh spirits out there that's saying all kind of things. But you keep your eyes upon the one that God is for a word is forever settled in heaven. 
Not just for a little while, but forever settled. The enemy tonight would like to destroy your faith. He'd like to destroy your confidence. Thank God he'd like for you. Thank God to turn to the side or to the left. You know, there's no verse in the word of God that will tell you that you can escape heartache and trouble. And God, there's no scripture in the Bible that says uh, that God is going to keep you from all of that. Uh, it's sort of like that song that they just sung a while ago. Thank uh, God that God is with you anyhow in spite of what's taking place around you. I wish I could remember every word of that song <laughs> because that's a powerful song. And we need to plant that in our mind and in our spirit. Thank God, but let me just tell you this. God's word, there's not a verse in the scripture that tells you that you're not going to go through hardship and hard times. And I tell you what, you live for God very long, you're going to go through them. Thank God, those are experiences in your life that they're there are stepping stones that help you grow and help you to maintain your faith in God. Listen to me. It's not about you, but it's about him. It's not about me, but it's about him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God, but the same word of God, the same word of God does promise us that if we go through the storm, if we go through the waters, if we go through temptation, if we go through darkness, that God is going to be there. Oh, Paul said it like this. Paul said it like this in the 10th chapter of Corinthians. He said, there hath no temptation taken you, but as such is common to man. In other words, there's no, you're not going to go through anything that somebody else hadn't already experienced. But God is faithful. Who will, who will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bury it? Oh, aren't you thankful for the goodness of God? Hallelujah. You might, you might think you're the only one going through the storm, but I want to tell you something. Somebody else has already been there. That's why Paul could write in Hebrews that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And Paul said, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. <laughs> lay that aside. Hallelujah. Let us run with, faith, with patience the race that is set before us. Thank God. Looking unto Jesus Christ who endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, I don't know about you, but I promise you my faith is not in me. My faith is in him. Thank God I'm going to win not because of me, but because of him. Hallelujah. The word of God is sure. His promises never fail. Oh, sometimes we may feel that way. Hallelujah. But listen to me tonight. Thank God when you feel that way, just grab that old pump handle and start pumping it. 
Oh, I said, grab that pump handle and start pumping it. Thank God, you may have to put just a cup of faith in the top of that pump and start pumping it. But I promise you, somewhere God's going to show up. There have been times in my life that I've experienced that. I know what it means. See, my boy... Have a, have a blood disease lingering between life and death and God spared him. We took him to the house of God and they laid hands on him, anointed him, hallelujah, and God raised him up. He's been in here preaching before. Hallelujah, don't tell me God won't do it. I know what it means to see your daughter lay in a hospital in a coma and God bring her out of it. I, I know what it means to see her not be able to walk and just a, a day or two get up and start walking and been walking ever since. I know what it means to pray and think that the heavens are brass, but I think I remember the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what Paul said in the, in the 10th chapter, I believe it is in verse 5 of the book of Hebrews. Hallelujah. And then he went on down in verse 8, and he said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hadn't changed. I don't know about you, but I keep holding on to that. I know when it looks like evil is prevailing and evil's overtaken, you just got to remember Pharaoh don't control everything. In fact, the truth is he don't control anything. He only controls what God allows him to control. Isn't it amazing how God works? I think of that scripture I thought of today. It said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My question is this. What happens if they don't call on the name of the Lord? You ever stop and think about that? There's a lot of people, they, they pick that scripture up and they run with it. But I want to promise you something. You don't get nowhere with God if you don't call on him. Why, did, why does he say that? Because God wants to see a response of faith that rises up out of you that says, I believe God. I believe that if I call upon the name of the Lord, that he's going to be there. I believe if I ask him to forgive me of my sins, uh, he's going to do it. I believe if I get in the water, thank God, and get buried in the name of Jesus, uh, he's going to wash away my sins. He's going to be a, put a cover on me that when he looks over me, he doesn't see my sins. Paul said in one place, he said if we've been planted in the likeness of his death, he said we shall also be in the likeness of of his resurrection. Aren't you thankful tonight that there's hope? Hallelujah. Now, I don't know what went through David's mind. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in the 30th chapter of the book of Samuel 
This is the verse, the chapter that I want to talk about a little bit here. I love this chapter. I love to hear preachers talk about it. Hallelujah. But David, he was a soldier. He was a musician. He was a man that did great exploits for God. He was out on the battlefield, him and his soldiers, and they came home one day. But when they got home, in this 30th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, when they got back to Ziglag, and maybe somebody here is going through a Ziglag moment in their life, but when they came back to Ziglag, they walked, they came up there to that, that city, and when they got there, it was full of smoke, and God, there was fire everywhere, and God, when they got there, thank God, their families wasn't there, their children wasn't there. Well, they were out for three days uh, fighting a battle somewhere. And they came home back to Ziglag. They came up to that city. And all of a sudden, thank God, when they saw it, thank God, the, the Bible tells us, uh, thank God, that all of a sudden there was the men of that city, the men, David's men, thank God, they looked at that. The scripture said that they began to weep. They begin to pour their heart out. They begin to cry. And God, they were so distraught. They were so moved. And God, the enemy and God, had come in and had not just burnt their city, but took their family and their children. Had come in and they destroyed them. And the Bible said that they lifted up their voices unto, they lifted their voices and they wept as though they had no power. Until they had no power. You talk about being broken. Finally, somebody told David, said, listen. He said, they're talking about stoning you, David. Because the scripture said their hearts were grieved because they lost their loved ones. They lost their children. They lost their wives. And they were so grieved. But you know what David did in verse 6? The Bible said that David, thank God, he went out. And God got somewhere, maybe by himself. I'm, I'm going to say it was by himself. But the scripture said David encouraged himself in the Lord. You ever had to do that? When your back's against the wall and you don't know which way to go, he got in all of a sudden, all of a sudden your world's falling apart. You build you an altar somewhere and you begin to call upon the name of the Lord because you're dealing with a circumstance that you can't control and it's out of control and it's, it's running wild and all of a sudden your emotions get the best of you and you say, God, I got to have you. You got to help me. been there. I want to tell you something. When you get serious with God, God will get serious with you. <laughs> when you go and begin to call upon the Lord, and so they begin to call. I don't know what David did. I don't know what went through his mind. Thank God, but the Bible said he began to encourage himself in the Lord. Thank God, I can just see David start priming that old pump. He began to reminisce what God had done for him in the past. 
Maybe he was reaching way back there when he was just a shepherd boy on a hillside taking care of his father's sheep. Maybe he was out there on that hillside and he began to think about that prophet that came across that field that day with a bottle all in one hand. Maybe his countenance was shining and he walks up to David. First he went to his father Jesse, David's father. He had them all. The Lord already spoke to him. And he came by and he said, listen, had, it, had them all passed before him. And every one of them passed before him. Samuel the prophet said, this is not the one. He went through seven of them. Finally, he looks at old Jesse and said, is there not yet another son? And old Jesse said, yeah. I can just see, old, I can just see him kind of doubting, kind of hesitating on on." I'm telling them about that shepherd boy out there on the hillside. But I'll tell you something. Don't think God don't know where you're at. Don't think God don't know where you're at. Don't think God don't know what it's going to take to get the job done. He may not use me. He may not use you, Brother Jeff, but he's got somebody he's going to use. And I'll be honest with you, it don't matter if it's not me. I don't care if it's not me, but I do care if he moves and he takes care of the problem. <laughs> so God went out there to Samuel the prophet. Jesse said, yeah, I got one more. He's out on the hillside out there. I wonder what God's looking down here tonight. And listen, I got somebody. Jesse had all these sons and he didn't realize that that shepherd boy out there on that hillside, God had his eye on him. He was reddish. He was rudish, complected. According to Scripture, he must have been a pretty good-looking boy. He wasn't healthily plump like me. <laughs> but God saw something in him. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what he was thinking. But when I can just see old Samuel coming across that field with a bottle of oil in one hand and looking upon old David out there in that field and David remembering that. He could remember when he poured that bottle of oil upon him. The scripture said the spirit of God came upon him. Oh, let me tell you something. You laugh all you want, but I'm going to tell you one thing. If God ever pours out his oil, which is a symbol of the Spirit of God, upon you, you're never going to forget it. I wasn't in Pentecost the first time I felt God. Hallelujah. But I knew it was something different than I'd ever felt. Hallelujah. I knew it was something. But I want to tell you something. No matter where you're at, when God touches you, you're never going to forget it. You can't explain it away. You can hear this preacher preach and it not move you one square inch. It may not do nothing for you, but you let God walk into your life. And all of a sudden, you open your heart to him and the spirit of God gets a hold of you. You're not going to forget that. You can get away from the preacher. Brother Edward can preach his heart out. You can get away from him, but you're never going to get away from that touch from God. I said, you're never going to get away from that. Maybe David was thinking about that. Maybe he was thinking about the, the bear and the lion. 
that came out there on that hillside and was going to eat his sheep. And he took his bare hands and slew the bear and the lion. <laughs> oh, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was thinking about the, about the five smooth stones and a giant that thought he could whip anybody. Oh, you remember when he came out and Jesse sent David, they got to see about his brethren, took some cheeses and some things for them to eat. While he was there visiting his elder brothers, had three brothers that were in the battle. While they were there, the giant came out and began to brag and defy the armies of the living God. I can just see a whole Goliath standing out there and that little old bitty David who was a shepherd boy taking care of sheep walk out there and all of a sudden look at him and he hears them while all of Israel is cowering down and afraid of this giant. But I think David was thinking about the time the anointing of God came on him, the time that the lion and the bear was destroyed, the time and he was looking at that giant. And the word of God said, David asked this question. He said, who is this unserved, uncircumcised Philistine who hath defiled the armies of the living God? Goliath don't know who he's coming up against. Pharaoh don't know who he's coming up against. Your enemy don't know who he's coming up against. Thank God. It's not my fight. It's his fight. It's not my war. It's his war. I tell you, he already conquered that at Calvary. I said he conquered that at Calvary. At Calvary, he gave it all. At Calvary, the devil thought he had him in a corner. But I read the book, and the book said if the adversary, the devil, had known who he was, he would have never allowed him to be crucified. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that excites me. David, David, he looked at him and said, he's not anything. He's just an uncircumcised. He has no power. He has no control. Oh, hallelujah. I read in the book where Jesus said after the resurrection, when he looked at those disciples in the 28th chapter of the book of Matthew, he said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. He said, all power, not a little bit of power, not just a pinch of power, but all power. Oh, hallelujah. 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 His past experiences over grief and discouragement and loss. All of a sudden, when he grabbed a hold of that pump, there was an ounce of faith that rose up in David. He said, listen, we can conquer this. Thank God we can, we can overcome this. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to say to the church tonight, we can overcome this. Whatever you're going through, you can overcome this. Not in yourself. Not in yourself. Hang on. You know, there are people... You know, the Bible said your tongue is the most unruly member of your body. Most unruly. It's more unruly than your hand, your foot, your leg, your elbow. It's the most unruly member of your body. When I got in church and I got the Holy Ghost, God got a hold of my tongue. I couldn't talk without cursing. But when the Holy Ghost got a hold of me, 
You see, the work of God is not on the outside. It starts on the inside. And when it works itself on the inside, it'll take care of the outside. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. You know why? Because we represent something higher than this earth. We represent him. And when God got a hold of this most unruly member of my body, and God took that out of my spirit, God took that out of my heart. Thank God I said, God took that out of there. The preacher didn't take it out of there. Hallelujah. But when God got a hold of me and rang me out, and I got a second chapter of the book of Acts experience from the inside out, God began to cleanse me. Thank God he gave me. I don't want to go back to where I used to be. I sat and listened to him sometime and talked to people. I said, and they began to curse and talk about God. I said, what you need is a second chapter of the book of Acts experience. Thank God you need to reach back and get a hold of something that will transform you. Paul said it like this. He said, if any man be in Christ, not in the preacher, not in the church, but if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. That means, oh, he said, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah, that's what God does in your life when God gets a hold of your heart. And David may have reached back and got a hold of some experiences in his life. Thank God that begin to shake things up. He looked at his enemy, his adversary, and said, listen, we can win this battle. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. He said, we are troubled on every side and yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not forsaken. We are cast down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also might be made, notice this, manifested in, manifested in our flesh. Ain't got in other words, thank God. Paul is saying here, thank God, our body, we're bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord. Hallelujah. That the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus was not in pain, but it might be made manifest in our life. When God looks at you, when people look at you, when they see you, they know you've been with Jesus. I'm glad I can represent him. I said, I'm glad I can represent him. I'm talking about Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Maybe you're here tonight and you just need to grab a hold of that old pump and start pumping it. All you got to have is just a little bit of faith that you pour in that pump. And when you start pumping it, hallelujah, and all of a sudden that water in the, in the book of John, in the fourth chapter of the book of St. John, 
And God, Jesus turned to the little woman of Samaria. But on over in that chapter, hallelujah, he said, the water that I give you, he said, shall be in you a well springing up unto everlasting life. Hallelujah. I don't know how about you today, tonight, but I love it when I feel that in our midst. I love it when I see saints affected by the power of God. Oh, I said, I love it. Let me tell you something. When people walk through them doors, they want to see that. They want to experience that. You know, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we forget what we've got. I took a, a neighbor to St. Louis Hospital with him and his wife. One of the hospitals over there just recently, not too long ago, but about a month ago now probably. And we stopped on our way back. His wife had to go. He asked me if I'd drive him. I said, yeah, I'll take you. We're sitting in a restaurant. His wife looked over at me and said, asked me if I wanted to pray. I said, sure. And pray no fancy prayer. I don't know how to pray. I'll tell you, fancy prayer don't, don't shake me. I don't care if I never pray a fancy prayer. But I do want to pray a prayer that touches God. I do want to pray from the sincerity of my soul and say anything, Lord, just bow my head and pray just like I always do. I'm not going to tell you what church he goes to. Next day I met him in a coffee shop. He said, he said, listen, I want to tell you something. He said, my wife commented about your prayer yesterday. She said it was the most beautiful prayer that she'd ever heard. I said, well, you tell her I thank her for that. And then he looks at me. God, he's one of these guys that don't want you to know he's, he's got a tender spot in his spirit somewhere. And he looks at me and said, he said, it was. He said, it was the best prayer I've ever heard. This guy goes to a big church. But you know why? Because people are sick and tired of formality. You know why? Because it don't get the job done. I said, it don't get the job done. It didn't get the job done with me, and it ain't going to get the job done with you. I said, if you want want something that's going to move you, change you, and help you to represent God, you're going to have to get in the presence of God. David said, I know what he can do. His brothers got mad at him because they thought he'd just come there to make them look bad. (laughs) But the problem was his brothers didn't have the experience with God that he had. (laughs) I love it when I can hear people testify and sing and know that they know what they're singing about and preach, and when they preach, they know what they're preaching about. You know why? Because you're like Paul said, we've tasted of the good word of God and the power of the world to come, and we've tasted. That's why we can stand here and tell you tonight that it works. It works. Let's stand together.
Romans 2 and 11 says that God's no respecter of persons. I like this scripture over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. And you look at that letter. It was written to believers who were scattered throughout Pontius and Galilee, Cappadocia and Asia and Bethsaida. They were scattered out. They were being persecuted. They were going through the fire. They were being tested on every side, maybe mountains and an enemy behind them, and they couldn't see no way out. But Peter wrote in this letter, he said, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Just think about that. You've been listening to the news here of late. They're telling you invest in gold. That's what they're telling you. I asked my brother, I said, how do you eat gold? If you get hungry, how do you eat gold? But this word of God said that the trial of your faith is much more precious. Hold on to that word of faith. It's more, much more precious than gold that's tried in a fire. But notice this what he said. Might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know if you caught what he said right there. He's telling you to hold on to your faith because when Jesus comes, hallelujah, let me just paraphrase this. Thank God your praise and your honor and your glory is going to be worth a whole lot more than that gold that's been tried in the fire. Oh, the writer said it like this. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You ever felt like you was at the end of the rope holding on? And you didn't know what was going to happen next. And there's that still small voice that says, keep on holding on. <laughs> oh, there's going to be joy that's going to come in the morning. While the world is selling out their faith, thank God the church and the believers are grasping a hold of it and hold on to it. That's why Paul could say in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, he said, above all, hold fast to the shield of faith, which is able to fight off all the fiery darts of the wicked. <laughs> I remember when my daughter laid in a coma. And I was on my way to the hospital. And I heard this voice, and I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell it again. I heard this voice. I heard this voice saying, what are you going to do if she doesn't make it? I'll just skip over a lot of the story. I just spoke out loud, Brother Jeff. And I said, well, I don't want to lose a beautiful flower. But if the Lord takes her, he said, I just want you to know, as for me and my house, uh, we're going to live for God. It ain't going to make no difference what happens to her. Thank God. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, we're still going to live for God. You know why? Our faith's not in our children. Our faith is in our God. I said, our faith is in our God. Uh, and then the added blessing comes by. Hallelujah. When you hold on to God, and yet God raised her up, uh, brought her out 
out of a coma and got her walking. I know there's people that's prayed sincere prayers and didn't get what they was wanting. But I want to tell you something. They still went right on living for God. I could name you people. I know people. But I want to tell you, I think where they're going to be, they're going to be those ones that Paul said in Hebrews. He talked about the heroes. Those that went on before. Those that went through the fire. Those are ones that faced their giants. Those who faced the enemy. That stayed faithful to God. Thank God regardless of what took place in their life. And they just kept right on living for God. <laughs> oh, I wonder if we couldn't just step out from where we're at. Let's come and stand around the front here. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.